0: The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors, give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven questions interest or just google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay. Let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest, I'm really excited to chat to him, Lorenzo Flores. He's the host of the Hacking Your Leadership podcast, which you have to check out. Lorenzo, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and uh, any any conversation
1: that I can have around helping uh, leaders become better leaders, and, and sharing some of my own uh,
0: mistakes, failures, and successes uh, in that process, I am always game for. So, really looking forward to the show today. Yeah, man, you're in the right place with that perspective. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, can you just tell everyone a bit about what you do? Absolutely. So I, I'm a lifelong
1: retail leader. Um, and and you don't, uh, th- there are many of us out there, and most all of us will tell you that was not the plan. <laughs> and so uh, I, I was very fortunate at an early age to get into uh, to kind of like retail in general and started with some smaller, you know, companies around like drugstores and things like that, which is customer yep. service, and, and then kind of grew into uh, you know, my background is music. I love music, so anything music related. Unfortunately, there's a lot of companies and places that that have music involved, and uh, kind of got into working with small mom and pop music stores, and then kind of got into a big company like Guitar Center, and then I went into consumer electronics uh, for about the last uh, 20 plus years now, uh, and I'm currently a leader at Apple Inc., uh, a small fruit company that many people might know of, and uh, and really enjoy. <laughs> Uh, really enjoy, you know, retail leadership and, and the dynamics of that. And really making sure to inspire, motivate, and empower people, and uh, you know, having an opportunity to serve our communities uh, with amazing products and services, uh, along with customer service, is something I'm deeply passionate about.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. Great, great, and very succinct uh, explanation <laughs> of. I always love one of my favorite things, and I say this all the time on the podcast, but I love when you have a sentence or two, and you just know there's. Literally, in your case, decades of experience. Yes, 20 years that you know, and you know, <laughs> exactly. in that sentence, it's like, wow, there would be some great stories. And that's a bit of what we're going to chat about today. I'd love to start off by asking you, you know, Lorenzo, uh, little Lorenzo, you know, your childhood and, and when you're a teenager, as you look back, particularly in those early years, are there any moments for you that you think, yeah, if I had to pinpoint some of those really pivotal moments when I was little when I didn't know at the time, but now I look back and go that really shaped me to become the, the leader to become passionate about retail and leadership in that space, but also generally, uh, entrepreneurship and leadership, what moments come to mind.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing immediately comes to mind is the reality that, that I moved about every four years or less of my life, uh, up until I was into my uh, mid twenties, and that wasn't due to military. Um, that was literally just due to opportunity. And you know, I was born. Uh, my mom raised me as a single mom and my sister, and uh, and in that situation, you know, we had to move a lot. And, and I share that because when you move a lot as a kid, you find yourself being the new kid at every school. And nobody likes to be the new kid. Um, It's not fun. You know, everybody looks at you. Everybody has their groups of friends and their cliques of friends. And so uh, a a thing that I had to learn quickly was how do I assimilate myself and find commonalities with kids? And again, this is the to your question, looking back on it in the moment, it it, 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 be quite frank, it sucked. It was it was horrible. It was not fun. Uh, It was frustrating. And every move was no emotions as a kid. Uh, But as I learned to assimilate and to find commonalities with people, uh, I became curious and I started to like figure out why, why do people do things differently than myself or my family? Why do people celebrate different things? Why do people eat different foods? Why do people have different rules? And uh, in mm. that space of moving around a lot, um, I really learned uh, the, the value of curiosity and really the value of inclusion through being open to diversity. Um, you know, when you're a kid and you're going through that uh, yeah. at first, what might be different and what might be, um, you know, uh, a different experience might be scary. Uh, Once you get over that and you say, Well, like, well, that's weird, but let me learn more about it. Um, (laughs) That really shaped me, you know, as an adult and as a leader, because uh, it became a skill where I'm very quick to find the commonality with somebody. And and that connection allows me to then uh, kind of build some immediate trust and and allow us to have some dialogue uh, where we can have some real conversation. And that's kind of a, it's one of those things that I will looking back on. Was probably the most pivotal thing in my ability to help influence and lead people, uh,
0: but again, at the time, was no fun whatsoever. Uh, but shaped me quite a bit. That is so. That is so interesting, um, and it's it's amazing how often uh, those sort of things come up, like moving around when you when you're younger. Something you mentioned that comes up. I've actually been pretty shocked to be honest. I would love to say that I've always known this, but it's really surprised me. Nearly every episode, curiosity is uh seems to be a leadership superpower um and i I kind of maybe already knew that because i would zoom in on sort of listening or zoom in on um learning but that word i've been really surprised at how often guest after guest after guest who's doing incredible things in leadership somewhere in the world talks about curiosity yeah, absolutely. It's actually,
1: uh, it's funny because I was having a conversation with one of my mentors a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about leadership assessment and what do you look for in leaders and people? And, and and what are the things that when you pull kind of the thread of their career over time, give you the most amount of success? And that was one of the three things that we talked about. The first one was, you alluded to it, it was humility, which, yes. which is not, not, not the idea of just being humble, but knowing that you don't know as much as you think you do and constantly looking to <laughs> learn or to improve. So like humility is number one. Curiosity is number two. uh, And that ability to just constantly be somebody who's kind of tinkering with things and is looking for ways to figure out something new and different. Uh, And then the third thing we talked about was aptitude, you know, the, Hmm. the ability for those things that you're learning and seeing and understanding to stick. And, and to, to, to help you to take those lessons and move them forward. I think a lot of times uh, people can get stuck in the, I'm willing to learn and I'm curious about things, but I don't ever apply them to the next thing. Uh, and so it becomes really hard to, to advance yourself in your career. So I would, I would wholeheartedly agree that the curiosity is just one of those things that uh, when you see it in somebody, you're hearing somebody, um, it, it's, a, it's a very helpful
0: in, in assessing where they are, or what they're capable of doing. Yeah. I love that list. Humility, curiosity, and aptitude. And uh, I think it's, I think there's a lot to that actually. I think curiosity and humility go nicely hand in hand because uh, to be honest, when I've been um, least curious in my life, it's probably when I've been uh, in areas of my life or times when I uh, maybe have lacked humility because I Mm -hmm. I figure I know it all. And that kills curiosity. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely no, I, I think it's uh, you're spot on. I think I think that
1: kills curiosity, and I think complacency, right? Comfort mm, also yeah. kills curiosity. You're you're much less likely to take calculated risks or any risks at all if you feel that everything is good and you're just comfortable. And I think those are the times when I'm probably most uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> is when when things <laughs> seem to just be going like everything's going just okay. Um, th- th-
0: there's not enough, there's not enough action going on for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So when you when you think of those those years that like you said really sucked at the time but you look back now and you see how much um you know being the kid who was always new in these different schools really uh, it sounds like there was a real resilience and you learned to be open maybe because you had to, to to make friends and be open to diversity and that's been a game changer any stories from that season that really stand out to you where you were little and you remember uh, having to really um, break into a new sort of group or something that just for some reason really stands out in your mind right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was my sophomore year of high school. Uh, which is quite frankly, like the worst time to move. (laughs) Uh, You got, you got one good freshman year here in the States of, of of high school and and you kind of get established as the freshman in the sophomore years. Like, okay, I'm no longer in the newest group of of kids and uh, and and get things going. And it was about three months into that I moved um, and I I grew up in Michigan uh, and I moved from the lower part of Michigan to the upper part of Michigan. And it sticks out to me because, uh, it, it was about an eight and a half hours away as to where we moved. So, like, again, uh, all new friends, all new school. Wow. You know, this is this was before really cell phones were even a thing. And so it, it was just a very big change. But uh, we went up there um, to kind of like see the school and um, to register, you know, because we were going to sell a house and move. And while we were up there that weekend, they were actually doing this open house at the high, at the high school. And uh, and I went and I went, you know, and I was dressed up nice because, you know, you want to dress up nice and wear some jeans and a, like a little button up shirt polo or something and yeah, and go to the new school. And uh, they had an open gym. And so uh, at the time, uh, I was really into basketball and I learned how to play uh, what we would call Detroit style basketball, which is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more rough, uh, a little bit more flashy, and uh, a, a lot of trash talking. <laughs> and, uh, and and I went up there to the school and I played uh, in this open gym in my jeans and everything and, and let's just say that I did pretty well. And, yeah. uh, and I probably and I probably didn't make a lot of friends that night, but I, I scored a lot and I had a good time playing basketball. And uh, and so I just shared that because fast forward two months later, when we're going up to this school um, and I get pulled into a classroom from a teacher uh, on my first day of school to ask me if I'd be interested in playing on the basketball team. And, and I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, we just had tryouts a couple of weeks ago. You weren't here for them. Uh, But I was the guy who was there at the open gym night and I saw (laughs) you play. And I'd like to have you on the team. And, uh, and I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Now, again, uh, not thinking about the social dynamics of the new kid who didn't even try out for the team getting to be on the team uh, and how that would go over. Um, And that, that was tough. That was really tough because, now I had kind of uh, where I've always did my best to avoid the target on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much had put uh, miracle Grow on that target, <laughs> and, uh, and it was tough because now, now I'm on a team where uh, people feel I didn't earn my right to be there because I didn't. I didn't try out. Um, I don't know anybody. And, um, and I'm the, the guy who plays a different style of basketball that's very flashy and loud um, in a place that that's just not accepted at all. So I had a real hard time because where I grew up in team sports mm-hmm. uh, and, and playing with people and having friends and having a good time enjoying a sport, um, it was not that for the first, uh, you know, first handful of months there at all.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the interesting thing about that story is how you never would. Like it's obvious when you tell it, but at the at the time, uh, I, I'm sure you. Well, if if it was me at that age, I wouldn't have had any foresight that not having done the like not having tried out was going to set me up to be. And but then then uh, like I remember another podcast um, guest I had talked about how she made this general manager role at 20 and was deservedly like really you know proud to be the youngest person ever. Mm-hmm. But then it was actually because of that that role, it put sort of put a target on her back and, and it, and it made everything she did in that role so much harder. It was like mm-hmm. um, the the other side of the coin from, from having a great sort of success. Absolutely. No, it's, it's true. And, and like, look, I think, um,
1: I think sometimes, you know, in those moments, uh, you you have to, to 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 do what's right for yourself. You have to take on the additional responsibility. I talk a lot about, you know, having an overdeveloped sense of accountability and being able to step into your bandwidth that you've created out of doing great work. Um, and you know, it, uh, it it results equal credibility, equal opportunity. So when you have the opportunity, take it. But I think that's a part of leadership and growing up. And I, th- I think those are the times that. You know, perseverance and grit, you know, two really, really hot topic, big words right now. Those two in psychological safety are kind of like the leadership buzzword bingo right now. Um, But (laughs) the, the funny thing about perseverance and grit is that everybody talks about it and how valuable it is and how you need it and how it's so helpful. But when you're in the middle of it, it is horrible. It is no fun to be in the middle of perseverance or grit. Uh, because by definition, you are just having to, to, to push yourself forward through something that is either really difficult um, or you're finding it to be really difficult. And you just have to stay focused and committed. Um, and, and, but but I think that that is because it's so tough to get through. That's what makes it so valuable on, on the back end.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. What comes to mind for me is the recent Australian Open uh, tennis uh, you know, Grand Slam. I don't know if you follow tennis at all, but, uh, Raphael Nadal, who's one of my favorite sports people, just, you know, he's, he's 35. I think he, um, he's in the final against this young guy, Medvedev, who's, um, you know, obviously playing some of the best tennis in the world and is 10 years younger and he's two set and Rafael Nadal's two sets down. So, and the, and the and this is the point where they start reading the stats, right? Rafael Nadal has never come back from two sets down in in these twenty previous, you know, and and an Australian Open final, like just all the statistics were against, against, against. And the amazing thing about him, and I and I feel like he's a sports person that really embodies grit and perseverance. Uh, but it makes it so much more special because it's one thing when he did that at 25, but he comes back from two sets down, wins the next set to be two one, then wins the next set two all, and then wins the final set with ups and downs on the way. And and the one word I would I would I, I would have for that performance if I would, well, let's say two is what you just said, grit and perseverance. Um, but it got him through that. But that's that must have been something he developed over 35 years. Um, Because I've just to see someone do that, it was, you could see it was the decades of of turning things around in match after match after game after game that he used in that moment. It, It was nothing new in the moment, it was something he had developed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I haven't um, I I've been into tennis recently
1: a little bit here and there, but I actually grew up as a tennis fan. But to to show my age, uh, you know, I grew up in the era of, of Andre Agassi yes. um, and Pete Samprez and Boris Becker and all those types of plays. So for, for, so Rafael Nadal, when you bring up his name, I do have a little bit of um, a thorn in my side because I don't know if you know this or not. Um, but Agassi held the record, I think, for like the most consecutive wins for like a male teenager that like it le- was there for like 17 years until Rafael Nadal broke that record. In, I didn't like, know that like 2005 or something like that was just <laughs> you know, it was like, see, it's like we, we're, we're petty and we hold on to these things. But it is, these are our heroes. Right. But oh, uh, completely. You know, it's, so so it's, it's funny because, yeah, I think that um, I, I played some tennis in high school again, um being where I'm from from was a little bit of a different style of tennis uh and, and I was I was not great I was good but I was not great I, I was only I was only good if I was able to uh, to maybe get into somebody's head while playing the game <laughs> and get them to mess up more than I was doing you know more than I was messing up but, but yes I I love the game and I think that that's the, the those are the those are the most truest definitions um of perseverance and grit um you know what we see in sports and we see it, yeah. you know, quite often in, in multiple sports. And I think that's what I think is what really attracts people to it um, is, is being able to witness those things in real time mm. over the course of a couple of hours, as opposed to having to consider it over the course of a career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so well said. So if, if fast forward for you and you you know, you grow up, you're a teenager, um, twenties, what are some of the, what are the, some of the, uh, uh, you know, or maybe what's one moment from your early sort of career that really stands out where you had a light bulb moment that you are a leader or that you could do this or where you dropped the ball. And it was one of those, I love how Tim Ferriss calls it, you know, your favorite failures where you go yes. in, in <laughs> hindsight, I was, you know, it was horrible at the time, but now I realize that really shaped me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I've always been, um, a very empathetic leader. And I've always been a kind of a team player and I've always been a leader that um, wants to find the the successes to celebrate. Kind of like any any movement is good movement was kind of like my early career was like, let's just take every win um, as a big win. And so what happened uh, and and I've shared the story a few times is I had a mentor of mine um, who was a kind of like a district sales manager. And um, and and I had a team that I was leading, and and the team uh, loved to come to work, and 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 enjoyed their job, and always had a positive attitude, and we had fun while we were there, uh, and we worked hard, uh, but we were not actually delivering upon the expectations of the metrics that we were, you know, being asked to deliver upon. And, uh, and and that's a tough thing to do when you're in a space or any industry or company where there are measurable objectives. And the expectation is that you are either profitable or you're, you know, you're, you're growing your business or you're selling the things that you need to sell. And, uh, and she pulled me aside. She goes, you know, um, I've always appreciated your positive attitude. I've always enjoyed working with you. I know your team absolutely loves you, um, but they're going to let this ship sink. And you know, the, the reality is here's the data, here's the numbers, here's here's the results of your team. And mm. uh and, and and this this cannot maintain over time. Like this is not, you know, an acceptable level of business. And so, you know, I see that you celebrate, you know, a lot of the the times when they have success or they celebrate some of the the the, the things that they have as examples of doing good work, but those things are not equal or adding up to the minimum expectation. And and that's not okay. And so she, you know, she she had to have that kind of very clear conversation with me about it to say, like, you know, no matter how good of a job that you do in in leading your team or feeling good about the work that they do, the reality is if you can't maintain a profitable business or you can't meet these minimum objectives, you won't have a team to lead, um, because <laughs> that's just how the business goes. And so that was pivotal for me because I I always felt that the like I always felt that my team's success was their success, and their failure was my failure, and yeah. so I had to figure out um, what I was going to do to change that. And what I ended up doing was sitting down and putting together kind of like a contract of like, "Hey, here's here's what we stand for as a team. These are the mm. things that are." Uh, that are, that are, that we're being measured on that are required. These are minimum expectations of what we're being measured on. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. And then here's what you can expect from me as your leader. And mm-hmm. I sat down with each one of them and we read it all over and I signed it and they signed it. And I know it's like, it wasn't any type of a, you know, a performance document or any type of a write-up. It was something that I just made up myself and printed out. But for <laughs> me, for me, I had to be that clear about exactly what it was that we were trying to do for one another. Um, and the, the great news was over time, you know, over a couple of weeks and a couple of months, um, the strategy came to life. And while we had maybe a few people that didn't live up to the expectations, uh, the vast majority of the team did. And, you know, what they, what they were looking for was clarity and accountability. They wanted Mm. me to be really clear about the goal and they wanted to make sure that I was holding them accountable to doing what they said they were going to go do. Uh, and that taught me a really big lesson, um, as a leader around making sure that any team that I lead, um, you know, it ha- is really clear about not just the expectations of the business, but what what I should expect from them, but what they should expect from me as their leader. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of times that part gets skipped over, um, mm-hmm. and we say, "Here's what here's what here's what I expect from you," and by the way, if you need something, let me know. <laughs> and, and, and leaders <laughs> leaders don't do a good job of saying, "And then here's exactly what you should expect from me, and hold me accountable if I don't deliver these things for you."
0: Yeah, I, I love that clarity and accountability. Um, I think it's a two-edged sword as well, right? Like when you, when you don't do clarity and accountability well, the the first problem is that your your poor performers um, hang around and they stay, and your overall performance doesn't lift. And yes, that's that's an obvious problem. But the second edge of the sword, where it really costs leaders who don't do that is that your best people won't put up with it. Your best people will go, you know what, if you're not going to use clarity and accountability, I'm out. I want to go somewhere where I get pushed, where I get challenged and where I win championships. Like I want to be part of a team um, that's going to actually have clarity and accountability. So it's a double, double whammy. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it is. Um, my
1: three pillars of leadership are vision, clarity, and support. That's kind mm-hmm. of what I stand on. That's good. Um, And that's, you know, the first thing is people got to know why they have to understand, you know, uh, why we do what we do and and what does that look like and and what are the things that um, are there for them and for for the business and for the leader and all that type of stuff and then you got to be clear on what the expectations are all around and then you have to, you have to actually define support and as a leader. Um, you have to be uh, in a place to observe exactly what you were just talking about, which is, you know, am am I paying attention? Do I understand how my top performers feel? Do I see the spaces that um, they may need some help or coaching or development? Um, do, Do I, you know, am I checking myself enough to make sure that I'm adjusting my leadership style and am I borrowing from my toolbox of leadership skills to apply them to the team when the team needs it? Um, as opposed to just being complacent and just doing the same thing over and over again. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think that, uh, yeah, you're spot on. I, most, most all people want accountability um, because we, we tend to forget that like, like, like you know, being accountable, like accountability is like a fiduciary term. And it's just about like balancing out everything at the end of the line. You know, we tend to assign it this negative element. Uh, but accountability is simply like, here's all the things. And are we equal at the bottom? Uh, but if we haven't defined what equal is, right? If we haven't defined that, like the equal is that you're learning and growing and the business is also growing, um, then that's where we kind of have a problem. And, uh, and, and I think that most people want it because it also feels good when you know that there's an expectation and that you've either met it or exceeded it
0: when you go home every single day. I 100% agree. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you take that conversation well at the time with your boss? Uh, No, (laughs) I mean, I I, it was it was it was um, I I
1: took it well out of respect um, and I took it well out of uh, believing that my leader um, was asking me to be better. Um, It it was I didn't take it well emotionally, you know, like I went home and really like Mm. had, had a rough go at it for for a day or two. Because yeah. that's kind of how I took it was like, if, if, if I'm not doing this right, am I doing anything right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and here I am thinking that I'm doing a really, really great job um, and, and I'm missing a major component um, to success. And, you know, now, now fast forward down the years where I can, you know, I can share my stance and say like outcomes are the ultimate measurement yeah. of growth and development. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if people Mm -hmm. are getting better, more efficient, more effective, then they should be better at whatever it is, the job that they have and whatever those expectations are. And that should output your outcome. So like now I completely understand it. uh, But at the time uh, it was it was a major kind of blow. Um, and I had to really step back and think about what, what do I owe myself and what do
0: I owe my team, which is what got me to kind of creating these little fake record deals. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. And, uh, and I love your transparency and and vulnerability around that because I, I have to admit similarly for me, when I've had difficult conversations, uh, with a boss, you know, younger Jono, particularly say in my twenties, man, I I did not like, I took it well on face value to them, but internally. It was like, <laughs> I was all <laughs> over the shop, exactly like you just said if I'm not doing this. Well, am I doing anything? Well, you know, even to the point of if I'm not doing this, well, am I like worth anything as a person? Like <laughs> right, you know, right. really like, and um, and so I'm interested in your thoughts on two things. Firstly, for leaders who are listening, who might have just gone through that, or they might be the, you know, the Lorenzo receiving that sort of um, tough feedback. How can well? Let's start with that. I won't ask you two questions at once. But what advice would you give to people now you know what you know about how to receive that sort of feedback? Well, I think if you find yourself in a space where you have somebody
1: who's willing to be honest with you, um, then you have to be honest with yourself. And, you know, if you've got somebody, because I think if, if you just have a shitty leader, I'll call it for what it is, <laughs> like if you just have a leader who is not any good and yeah. um, and they don't care about you and it's all about. <laughs> The number or the thing or whatever it is and you know that you, you know you know what i'm talking about if you have one of those that that could care less if you came to work or didn't go to work um then, then there's really nothing you know you, I, we can we can play the game and say take what you can take out of the negative experience but the reality is like it, it's hard to take that with any type of 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 honesty and realness of, of making a behavioral change but if you have somebody who is invested in your career, your development. If you've had somebody that has been there with you um, and has both given you recognition, but also maybe having a tough conversation with you, um, and they are willing to be very honest with you about the assessment or, uh, or, or an opportunity, then you have to be honest with yourself and really step back and say, am I showing up for myself um, to my own expectation, you know, I, I firmly believe that if you want to be a great leader, the first person that that you have to follow is the person in the mirror, you know, yeah. you, you've got to role model for yourself, you have to be, you know, what what you want to be for yourself before you can be that for others. And, and that can be that can be really difficult for us, because what we tend to do is we want to believe that we are the aspirational versions of ourselves. We want to believe that we we already have it figured out and that we're already great at that and that how could they possibly say that? I'm already so good at that. That's, that's ridiculous. They don't see what I did. And last, last Tuesday, this person told me that I was the greatest leader they ever had. And we convince ourselves in our own highlight reels um, that that's who we are. Um, but if you have a leader who has any bit of investment at all in mm-hmm. you being successful and they've, and they've tried to help you in any way, take
0: that honesty seriously and then be honest with yourself that's so good uh, i always uh, talk about unrealistic expectations being mm-hmm. which is why i love what you said about about being clear right because uh, and um, and it's one of the things I talk about in my book, Step Up or Step Out, which is all about dealing with difficult people. Uh, it's funny, when I was putting this together, I asked this question, uh, which, which I have to give um, honour words to, you, which is Peter Janetsky. He's a fantastic counsellor, just, you know, wonderful guy. He's also been a real help for me and for my wife, Liz, and, and to a bunch of people. Um, he's a Brisbane guy in Australia where I am. But he talks about this idea of unrealistic expectations being when you look at a difficult person, someone who like, let's go to the extreme, really toxic, what's often at the core, because there'll often be a complete lack of perspective and it's Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations. And, Mm -hmm. and the challenge for me, and I'd say for all leaders out there is that we have to adjust our unrealistic expectations. And, uh, and if there's no one difficult in your life, you know, I've had some people only once ever, but I had someone say, I've never had a difficult leader or anyone difficult uh, around me. And, and the, problem, the problem is if there's no one difficult in your team or around you in your life, then potentially you're, you, you need to work out maybe I'm the difficult person. Um, and, and the truth for all of us is that we can be difficult and the thing that will make us difficult is unrealistic expectations. And the, the more realistic we can get, the more 360 degree feedback, the more mentors that, you know, having a great leader like you just described who invests in us and then not being shocked like I've been before when they give you some hard feedback. You're like, yes, <laughs> someone who invest in me. And then boom, they tell you how it really is. And you go, that's completely different to my unrealistic expectation of myself. Uh, but that is a, man, I found that, hard i i so respect particularly young leaders who can take that sort of feedback better than i could um because it's it's intensely difficult from my experience anyway yeah i i think it's um no i think it's a great point because
1: it 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 is a i think some people take the feedback because it's all they know I think some people take the feedback sometimes out of fear, but to your point, if you don't have mentors in your life that are willing to share with you their mistakes, um, that's kind of what I tie it to is where that unrealistic expectation comes from is that it's, it's very similar to some of the social media elements of like, if, if somebody is a leader and all you hear from them is perfection or the things that they've done or the amazing work, or they're so great. um, It's one of the first things that I do when I look to Um, To to leaders or people that that we want to have on our podcast or books (laughs) that I want to read, right, is like, can I find any content from this person, where they're like, I messed this up, let me tell you about, you know, this thing that I screwed up big time, and what I learned, that's who I actually want to talk to because that level of humility and transparency I think, to, to your point, is what helps to break down those walls mm-hmm. um, to, to say to people, and, and I say this with, with people that are, you know, w- once somebody has raised their hand and say, I want to be a leader, and I'm like, fantastic, okay, uh, that's great, because let me walk you through a couple of steps here. The first step is you have to be good enough at your job that you can earn the bandwidth for more responsibility. Right. So like you got to be really good at what you're doing so that you have some kind of extra time that you can invest in helping to influence others. The other thing that I'm going to tell you is if you are asking for the spotlight, prepare to be in the spotlight. So don't come to me three months from now and say, why does it feel like I'm being judged differently than everybody else? Well, because you are because you asked for it. Right. (laughs) Uh, And then number three, um, I expect you to make mistakes. Not only do I expect them, I'm going to ask about them. Yeah. And, 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 and what I'm going to tell you is that you have my full faith and trust that a mistake that you make is not going to be so egregious that it puts us out of business. You might make somebody mad. You might have a bad call. Somebody might complain about you. We may mm. have to clean it up. Those things might actually happen. But if they're not happening, um, then we're not trying hard enough. We're not taking yeah. enough risk. We're not we're not showing up as, as our authentic selves in these conversations, in this dialogue, because I think to your point, One of the things that's most helpful to get people to uh, to to get more comfortable with things like feedback and healthy debate and dialogue is a very diverse team of people that see the world differently, see see strategy differently, and have the courage and have the empowerment to speak up and say, "You know what, John? I I I hear what you're saying, but I could I like I completely disagree. Let me tell you why." And to have that in a meeting and talk through it. And then you not feel like I'm personally attacking you, you know, um, <laughs> it, like that, but that's, that's where we need to get to so that when people get the feedback or the conversation, they're like, Oh, okay. Like it's not a personal attack. This is just like, somebody's giving me this because they think it's going to help me to become better. Um, and, it, and it's a, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time for that, but that that to me is the true value um, of having teams built that
0: way. And that's uh, that's frustratingly rare. And when you are on a team that can do that, it is, one of the best things in the world Mm
1: -hmm. it's so good yeah yeah i I, I've, i've been fortunate to be on a few of those teams and i can tell you
0: that's when you get exponential growth yes i completely agree you know what you reminded me of that um was is so funny that i had this experience right where this guy presented something and i loved it it was it was on point from a knowledge perspective it was it was so good. It has actually happened twice. Now I think about it two different and completely different realms. One was very much about, he was presenting some stuff around self sort of how we see ourselves and, and around rest, right? Another guy was presenting stuff about business and growing your business. And in two separate occasions, I remember watching these guys and going, this is fantastic, but there was a check. There was something in me that was like, mm. and I couldn't I, I was really getting annoyed at myself because I'm like, but this content is so good. And one of them I was considering sort of leaning in and, and, and sort of joining a bit of a mastermind sort of thing. And I was, I was so like, the content was so good that I was like trying to convince myself. So anyway, later on um, uh, the, the the with the second one as well, I'm chatting with my wife, Liz, and I'm saying, because we watched the second one that was more about the self and rest and stuff like that together. And I turned to her and I'm like, it's, you know, it's good stuff, but I could see she was a bit off too. I'm like, what? And she's like, there's something about that. That's just, I know it just doesn't sit well with me. So we unpack it. We chat about it. We're like, what's wrong with us? Like this stuff is, is this, this particular content's also quite like um, popular. And so we're like, what is wrong with us? Anyway, as we unpack it, we realized, and I, and I realized it's the same thing with the business guy that I nearly got involved with. And we went, you know what it is? He never talked about like proper mistakes he's made. He mm. talked about things he would have done differently, but there was no vulnerability of like, here's how I've severely messed up. Like here's where I have fallen short and, you know, just screwed up. And I'm here to tell you that I, I've, I've, you know, it was just, there mm-hmm. There was a version of that, but it wasn't authentic. And it was the one thing about both of them that I had this big light bulb moment. And went, that's the thing, if someone can't do that, I cannot, really really buy into what they're saying
1: yeah no it, it's funny because it's one of the things that warren buffett um has shared about his uh you know who who he has taken on his largest accounts. is and it really goes, yeah he says, says i only give my largest accounts to people who have made a mistake um i never give them to new people and the reason why is because what they did to write the mistake is more important than their skill or their competence in actually how to hold an investment and uh, that's exactly what he does. He goes, I, I will only that's give those so to good. people that have, that have messed something up and then worked hard to fix it. Because I know that if something goes
0: wrong, I know, I know what they will do. That's so good. And that's so counterintuitive. Normally, we punish people who've made a mistake. And we're like, right. well, I won't give them anything because they had to fix that and turn it around or find someone who hasn't made a mistake. Uh, yep. That's gold. I, I remember. I think it's Abraham Lincoln. I, I I remember hearing this um this sort of anecdote, and it may be true. It may it may be false, but I remember hearing it and thinking it was really funny that um this anecdote that Abraham Lincoln would always, whenever he didn't like someone, he would mm-hmm. always he would always like find someone really he'd really dislike them, and then he'd ask the question he'd say, I need to get to know that person better to find out why I dislike them so much. (laughs) And I wouldn't necessarily use that in like hiring. But what I do like about that is going, say with a team, Mm -hmm. finding people that, you know, straight away, you're seeing things like I, you know, you're just seeing through two different lenses and Mm -hmm. realizing as, as a leader, Uh, that actually if we all see through the same lens, we're going to make some really bad decisions. And that person who already we don't see eye to eye, if we can work out how to actually relate in a healthy way and find a way to have robust discussion and not get defensive and not take things personally, we we can build a, a real dream team no
1: it's it's great because what you're really talking about is basically like the projection of your own bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious yes. yeah. is really what we're talking about right it, you You don't like them because of your own unconscious bias and it makes you uncomfortable to have to address <laughs> that or see that when when you deal with them. so that's that's a very that's a very, very real thing <laughs> absolutely that's,
0: that's so true. Well, uh, Lorenzo, what I'm thinking, this is so much fun. I'm just loving sort of riffing about leadership and and um, I have like 50 more questions about your story. So what I'd love to do is invite you back down the track at some point to hear part two of Lorenzo Flores. We only sort of touched on the start of your story. So uh, I'd love to invite you back another time and, uh, and we can maybe hear some of the more recent stories because you have so much gold to share and um, So stay, you know, I'll leave that with you. That's it. That's an invitation out there. Uh, But what I want to do to finish today is Leadership Express. And so I just want to ask you a few questions to sort of land and uh, just tell me the first sort of thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Sounds good. Let's go. Okay. Firstly, what's a book that you've gifted to others? This is a great question I got from Tim Ferriss. Uh, Two of them off
1: top. Uh, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek and The Art of Caring Leadership by Heather Younger.
0: Oh such good record i don't think i've had either of them but they're fantastic recommendations okay any great podcasts you can remind listeners again of your podcast but also any others that you're really loving at the moment um yes hack your leadership podcast uh is available on all platforms
1: everywhere so please uh, feel free to go check that out um i would also say I, the the genius leadership uh podcasts, um with anna libell uh, is, is a, is an amazing podcast. Um, and she, I, I did an episode uh, with her not too long ago. And what I love about her podcast is, is she is very, um, I I don't know, just, just very deep into the content and the dialogue, uh, is is more almost like, um, psychology than it is, uh, like basic leadership strategy. So I would go check that out as well.
0: Oh, love it. Another great recommendation. What's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, but
1: the connect can genuine connection is everything. Um, and and what, I, what I mean by that is when, when all of the global pandemic things were happening and uh, people were, were having to work from home and a lot of individuals, myself included, um, had to find myself in the virtual world where I normally only use this for podcasting uh, and, and had to do this for work, um, <laughs> what I realized was that if you didn't have genuine connection with people before the cameras were on, Um, it made it really difficult to do it when the cameras were on. And so that was just something that um, had the relationships, uh, you know, not been there before um, a lot of the conversation dialogue, things that were going on in society, those conversations
0: would have been a lot harder to have um, if genuine connection was not had already. Yeah, that's brilliant. What's a time management or productivity tip or a tool or resource you use in that area? um, calendarize everything, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, calendarize
1: everything and and do it, do it when you think about it. I I use my calendar, um, for reminders of notes to get things done. Um, thoughts I have, um, I, you know, twofold, I, if I'm in the middle of the day and I have any thoughts of inspiration or follow-up or conversations or notes, I put them on my device. Uh, when I sit down to do people development, I open up a book and I write things down. Um, and I think for me, those, uh, writing things down is much, much better when it comes to remembering things, mm-hmm. uh, but time management wise, uh, taking notes throughout the day when you think of them as opposed to, oh yeah, I got to remember to put that down, do it in the moment
0: <laughs> or you'll forget it. Yeah. That's gold. What's a great piece of advice you've received? Um, take your, uh, take your job serious, but don't take yourself serious. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I had something similar. Someone said, um, take your, take, take others seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. I like yours. I like yours as well. Take your job seriously. (laughs) Don't take yourself seriously. It's good. What's a big struggle or problem that leaders in retail are facing at the moment? Ooh. Um, I think,
1: uh, balancing, uh, the, the constant evolution and expectations of running profitable businesses um, with providing developmental experiences for people. Um, it, it retail in general as an industry mm. uh, over the last two years um, across the world has been hit very, very hard yeah. with, uh, with layoffs and, and furloughs and closures and, and reduction of staffing. And so basically what you have in a lot of instances are people that are just fighting every day um, to try to keep companies alive and when you're in a state of survival, um, it's hard to find the time to spend dedicated to actually developing people um, for the days that the grass will be greener because mm-hmm. you're
0: just simply trying to get through the next day. Yeah. Mm, well said. That's, uh, that's really articulate. A movie or TV show that really impacted you? Mm. Um, uh, I am a hip hop
1: fan. I'll put that out there right now yeah 90s hip-hop and I'm a vinyl DJ and did radio and that's really a a big thing for me yeah and so uh the the Wu-Tang series on Hulu yeah (laughs) is uh it it almost brings tears to my eyes wow because even though it's not a, a true true element of how that group and that music was created it is a great slice of reality of music at that time because i was able to also be involved in music at that time Mm. and uh, and just seeing and hearing uh music and sounds and groups
0: and the way that it was done uh was very very real to me and that was very recent yeah yeah thank you for sharing that that's that's another recommendation i haven't had and and i love that's something I'm going to check out because uh, I would, that I, I wasn't involved at, at all in that time, but I, I do love hip hop now, but I feel like um, I don't get the same uh, nostalgia from those who were sort of, so I love learning about these different seasons that I haven't been part of and seeing it as a, so I'm going to check that out. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. great. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Mm. Um. Uh,
1: love your people without expectation of return
0: Lorenzo that's good <laughs> <laughs> that is good man that's like that's like uh, that's like a, a good meal right there that was just a that was that that was a good sweet a good dessert to finish a good espresso coffee espresso after the meal thank you um, absolutely Hey, just once again, for people who just have loved this and um, want to get in contact with you and your podcast, uh, how can they find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So, hackingyourleadership.com or hacking your leadership on any podcasting platform.
1: Um, and yeah, if you'd like more information, info at hackingyourleadership.com, we're always looking for uh, leaders to talk to and people to share their opinions um, on leadership. You know, our, our goal in this entire thing from day one. Um, has been just to help people be better leaders and, and we know that that takes a it takes a community and um, and that we want to share any and all resources to any leader out there who's looking for the right person or the right podcast or the right show or the right meme or the right quote whatever <laughs> it might be for you if we can be a part of helping to connect that dot that gets you into the right headspace uh, to continue your leadership career, Um, then then that's what we're we are all for so uh yeah so come check out our stuff and i think what you'll find very quickly is we will point you in other directions to go check out other people's stuff because uh, we we want you to have every resource possible
0: yeah i love that we're super aligned in that perspective and uh really excited to 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 have this uh, conversation Uh, let me thank our listeners for tuning in today's been gold i've just uh gotten so much out of it i feel like i need to go back and listen and, and and take notes on a bunch of the different uh things in passing that lorenzo said it's it's, it's been really really good uh for our listeners don't forget i also have the john O'White white leadership podcast where i give you tips on well-being and tips on uh casting vision and leadership question of the day podcast, where I ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe as a leader and make you uncomfortable, you know, cause growth is uncomfortable, but I want to finish today by saying a, uh, by saying a massive thank you to Lorenzo for being so generous uh, for being so wise and, um, and also so vulnerable because I, I think you just model that and you, you obviously, you know, you walk the talk And I think there'll be a lot of leaders who have listened to today and have been really encouraged and challenged in the best way to to lead authentically. Um, Just so many good things. So thank you so much, Lorenzo. It's my
1: pleasure. And and I accept uh, your invite to come back. So we will schedule that time as well. (laughs) Woo,
0: pumped. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash 7.0